Today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Beloved, as Christians, I can't say this wrong enough. We must believe in the Bible alone as our authoritative source of truth. You can tell me about your experiences all day long. You know what? I really don't care. Because unless it fits within the confines of Scripture, don't tell me about your experiences. All of Scripture centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the eternal God, who took on human flesh to die as a substitute for our sins on the cross. And again, greetings in Christ. Welcome to Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, will return us once again to the book of Titus. We have spent some time looking at the qualifications of elders, and today we turn over into what those elders are supposed to do with those qualifications. Primarily, keep us, the congregation, from error by those on the outside. Here's Pastor Steve with more on today's program. Our text reveals three ways that elders will refute false teachers. First of all, refute false teachers by teaching sound doctrine. Very basic. He says there in verse 9, exhort in sound doctrine. He goes on in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, but as far as you go, Titus, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. We don't want to have the impression that we're to downplay theology or doctrine. We're not. An elder, a teaching elder, must emphasize the true doctrines of the faith. Sound there means healthy. As I said earlier, it leads to healthy Christian growth, healthy maturity. You have these churches all over the map that are teaching experience-based theology. It's all experience. Boy, they got experience. They got all kinds of experiences going on. But unfortunately, their theology is about an eighth of an inch deep. It's not sound. Properly taught, Bible prophecy even should lead us to fear the Lord and to holy living. Secondly, we need to refute the false teachers by exposing their false teaching. By exposing their false teaching. See, there's this common notion that says, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as as you're sincere and just believe something. (laughs) Beloved, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. You can believe with all your might that you can jump from Pier 39 over to the island of Alcatraz. You know what? It ain't going to happen. I don't care how good a jumper you are. It's not going to happen. It's the same when it comes to spiritual truth. Certain things are spiritually true because the Word of God has revealed them to us. Other things are spiritually false Because they come from Satan. They don't come from God. They come from the father of lies. And Paul says that these false teachers have turned away from the truth. Verse 14. It means that spiritual truth is knowable because they turned away from it. It is absolute. It's not vague. It's not just relative. We don't know exactly what the spiritual errors were of these false teachers in Crete. But we know that they were promoting three common errors. False teachers add works to salvation by grace, alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul refers to them there as those of the circumcision. It's a group of Jewish people who claim to be, believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Savior. But they also insisted that you needed to be circumcised. 
in order to be saved. Paul pointed them out. Paul and Barnabas had a great kind of talk with all these false teachers in Antioch, which led to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. And basically they concluded whether you're Jew or Gentile, all are saved by grace through Christ, apart from keeping the ceremonial laws of Moses. But see, in spite of that decision, in spite of that authority with which they spoke, these zealous Jews continued to promote their lies. And they especially really irritated Paul in a lot of different ways. And Paul writes against them. Read through the book of Galatians. You can see there what he talks about them. And in verses 1, verses 6 to 9, Paul says, If anyone preaches another gospel referring basically to anything added to faith in Christ alone for salvation, that person is to be accursed. Satan is always introducing false teaching on the way of salvation as a way to deceive people. But scripture is very clear that saving faith is not merely just intellectual assent to the facts of the gospel. That's not what it is. You can grab any unbeliever and say, do you believe this, this, and this? And then pray a little prayer with them and pat them on the back and say, hey, now you're a Christian. And send them on their merry way without them ever being converted. A prayer doesn't convert somebody. It can't. God can use it a lot of different ways. But don't ever rely on the surety of of someone raising a hand or walking an aisle or some experience that they may have to confirm to them that now they're, they're in the faith. The people who teach that you can come to Jesus as Savior without acknowledging Him as Lord claim that if you say that repentance from sin is necessary for salvation or that somehow good works are an evidence of saving faith, you're adding works to your faith. That's just not true. The very nature of saving faith regenerates the heart. You become a new person. You're definitely going to see the works of God in your life afterwards. Scripture is clear that genuine saving faith includes repentance. And it also includes a life of good works. But see, false teachers go to the other extreme. And they begin to add all these human works to saving faith as a necessary condition for salvation. In addition to faith in Christ, false teachers say that, well, you must have somehow add your own good deeds to this. Including water baptism. You have to be baptized in water to be saved. Including witnesses, witnessing, including keeping the Sabbath. Including going to services or mass. Whatever else they want to count as meriting your own salvation. But Paul's very clear that we are justified by faith in Christ apart from anything that we can contribute. We're fallen, we're dead. We can't even respond to the gospel without God's divine intervention in our lives. False teachers also not only add to salvation, but they, to the, the grace of God, they also, they do not focus on the the person and work of Jesus Christ. They focus on things like verse 14 points out to us here, Jewish fables or Jewish myths. Even in 1 Timothy 1.4, false teachers paid attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation, Paul writes, rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by what? Faith. We're to center on 
God's word were to center on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every false cult from the first century onward has erred on the, the person and the work of Christ. Some have said that he is God, but he's truly not human. Others have said that he's human, but he's truly not God. Others have said that, well, he's some kind of hybrid God-man. Many have said that he's just simply our, our great teacher, our example. But they have denied the necessity of his shed blood as an atonement for our sins. See, all, all cults, all false teachers supplement the Bible with their own thinking, with their own writing, with their own traditions. And usually those traditions contradict what Scripture has already revealed. But because it's new truth, something that God has revealed to them, it supersedes Scripture. Beloved, as Christians, I can't say this strong, strong enough. We must believe in the Bible alone as our authoritative source of truth. You can tell me about your experiences all day long. You know what? I really don't care. Because unless it fits within the confines of Scripture, don't tell me about your experiences. It's ridiculous. All of Scripture centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the eternal God, who took on human flesh to die as a substitute for our sins on the cross. Thirdly, false... Teachers promote legalism, not God's grace. They promote legalism, not God's grace. Paul says here that these false teachers promote what? The commandments of who? Of men. Look at Colossians 2.20. That's another place where he, he talks about that. Well, what is, is this? What is this? This is legalism. This is what legalism is. You've heard people say, well, you're just being legalistic. Well, what does that mean? Legalism basically is this. It involves emphasizing certain non-essential external matters to the neglect of certain essential heart matters. It focuses on the outward conformity to a bunch of man-made rules that somebody came up with rather than on the inward conformity to God's righteous commands of Scripture. And mark my word, legalism always appeals to the flesh. It did in the time of Jesus. It does today. It appeals to the flesh. It feeds on the, the, the pride of the human heart that thinks somehow that we can attain righteousness apart from being humbled before the cross. Somehow there's some goodness in us. Legalists congratulate themselves for doing their religious duties and they're self-righteously they self-righteously condemn those who, who don't do those duties the unfortunate thing is they, they do not judge the sin in their own heart nor do they seek to please God from their heart. And that's what verse 15 here is speaking about. It says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But those, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. See, Paul does not mean here that if you think something is not sinful, it's okay. He's not saying that. Rather, he's referring to the, the Jewish ceremonial and the dietary laws. 
See, these false teachers claimed to be pure because they kept all these rules. But in God's sight, they were unclean because their minds and their consciousness were defiled. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 and Hebrews 10, 22 tells us only the blood of Christ, only the blood of Christ can cleanse our consciences so that we can truly serve Christ, serve God. That's what Paul is, is saying in Mark, where or he is making the same point that Jesus made in Mark chapter 7, where he talked about the Pharisees, because they kept all these rules, all these regulations. But it says what? Their hearts were what? Far from God. Jesus said the external things, such as eating certain foods, could not defile a man, but rather what defiles is the sin that comes from the heart. The cults today may not be into the, the Jewish dietary laws, but invariably they're into legalism. They can teach that you can commend yourself to God by doing certain commandments, but they don't deal with the own defilement of the heart because they don't deal with the cross. Legalism and, and licentiousness really are at, at the same Focus. Grace is the balance point in the middle. See, they're, 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 legalism and licentiousness are really flip sides of the same coin. Both are rooted in the flesh, and neither one produces true godliness. That's why Jesus reproved the, the legalistic Pharisees in Matthew 23. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are what? Full of hypocrisy, he says, and lawlessness. See, these religious legalists were actually lawless in their hearts. But God's grace is opposed to the flesh because God's grace comes through the Holy Spirit. Titus 2, 11 to 14, when we look at that, that's what you're going to see. God's grace results in true holiness both inwardly and outwardly. So Paul shows us here that elders must refute teachers by teaching sound doctrine and exposing false doctrine. Also, refute teachers, false teachers, by exposing their sinful behavior. Mark it down. Bad doctrine always results in evil behavior. On the surface, they may look like nice, moral people. But you know what? The veneer of morality is mere legalism. Just as Jesus pointed out about the Pharisees, legalists actually look beautiful. They look like a whitewashed tomb. But on the inside, it says they're what? They're full of dead, dead men's bones and all uncleanness. He describes these false teachers, first of all, as being rebellious. And that's always the, the root of false teaching. They want to rebel. They want to be argumentative. Sinners refuse to submit to the authority of God's word, so they invent a teaching that fits their own sinful lifestyles. Verse 10, it says, They were empty talkers and deceivers, like a dishonest car salesman. They could talk real well. But as soon as you bought that car and drove it off a lot, man, you realize you got taken advantage of. Verse 11 says these men were greedy. False teachers often exploit their followers, milking them for money, while the false teacher 
goes first class everywhere he goes in his own private jet. Verse 12, they're liars, they're evil beasts, they're lazy gluttons. That's, we don't need to say anything about that. That kind of describes itself. 15 and 16, they're defiled, they're unbelieving, detestable. That word detestable, you know what that word means? It means to stink. It means to stink. They're disobedient. They're worthless for any good deed. See, false teachers are not usually so honest as to say that they are atheists or they're antichrist. Rather, in verse 16, it tells us what they say. They profess with their own lips that they know God, right? But their deeds, by their deeds, they deny Him. 1 John makes it very clear. 1 John 2, 3, and 4. By this we will know that we have come to know Him, what? If we, what? Keep His, what? Commandments. He goes on, he says, the one who says, I have come to know him and doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, when we went through Matthew, we looked at this. Jesus said, you can identify these wolves in sheep's clothing by their fruits. So one of the unpleasant tasks of an elder or pastor is to guard the flock by refuting false teachers. But also, elders must guard the flock by correcting any believers who have followed false teaching. Sometimes you have to come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, you know, you're reading a book that's not good. You're listening to somebody that's not going to feed your soul with truth. Many ways of doing that. First of all, correct by warning of cultural trends and tendencies. And that's what's so refreshing every year when we take a group of men down to the Shepherds Conference and we sit there and we, we hear what's going on, what's the newest trend in some erroneous doctrine. Who's teaching what? And how do we counter that? Paul cites here a Cretan poet who lived around 600 B.C. Calling him a prophet, Paul doesn't mean that he was a true prophet of God. He's basically saying that one whom they recognized as their own prophet denounced them. So he strengthens his point by quoting this Cretan against the Cretans. It kind of creates a paradox. Terry Lamar pointed this out to me. and It's interesting, but if all Cretans are liars, and a Cretan tells you that he's a liar, is he lying? <laughs> See, Paul is, is making a tongue-in-cheek point here. He's saying that Cretans are generally liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. As their own prophet confirms. And so he's telling Titus that, you know what? Warn these Cretan believers about their, their, their cultural uh, desires toward these sins. Mark them out as false teachers so they don't blindly fall into the same thing. You stop and think, what would Paul warn us about in our culture? There's a lot of different things. And secondly, we need to correct by convincing strongly of the importance and narrowness of the truth. The truth is narrow, beloved. The way to Christ is narrow. It's not broad. Jesus himself said that. That's why Paul writes here in verse 13, but reprove them severely so that they may be 
sound in faith. Them refers to the false teachers. Being sound in faith would, would, would point to believers. To reprove really means to convince someone of errors. Severely means just what it says, sharply. Cutting something off with a single blow of an axe. You don't be gracious about that, you just do it. Being sound means being spiritually healthy, as we've already discussed. It implies that you don't, if you don't correct these spiritual errors, somehow it's going to spread like gangrene. And the faith points that to that well-defined, narrow body of truth. We can know when others, or even ourselves, are in it. And we can know when others, or others, uh, ourselves, turn away from it. Very clear. We need to hold up the truth of the Word of God. We need to teach it. We need to preach it. We need to study it. We don't need to compromise it. Christopher Columbus was stranded in Jamaica. I'll close with this. And he needed some supplies. And he knew that there was going to be a lunar eclipse the next day. And so he told the local tribal chief, unless you give me these supplies, the God who protects me will punish you. And the moon will lose its light. Well, obviously, when the eclipse darkened the sky, Columbus got all the supplies he wanted. And in the early 1900s, an Englishman tried the same trick on a Sudanese chief. And the Englishman said, if you do not follow my orders, I can't do an English accent, so, vengeance will fall upon you and the moon will lose its sight. And he said, the chief replied, uh, if you're referring to the lunar eclipse, that doesn't happen until the day after tomorrow. See, the Sudanese chief was protected from deception because he knew the truth. That's the job of an elder. That's the job of a pastor. Protect the flock of God from deception by teaching God's truth and refuting the many erroneous false teachings of our day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to hold tightly to your word, the truth of the word of God. We thank you that we, we live in a country where we can have a personal copy of the, the literal divine revelation of the word of God to us. Help us to read it, to devour it, to study it, to meditate upon it as your word instructs us to do. Help us never to take it for granted. Lord, we ask that you would do a mighty work in the hearts of those gathered here this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to those who have yet to put their faith and trust in you. Pray as we go out these doors, Lord, that we would realize we're entering a, a, a world that is lost and dying in sin. And that we have the remedy, we have the truth. We have the message of the gospel of Christ. It's the power unto salvation pray that we would preach it, teach it boldly, and that we would live lives that are honoring to you as we do it. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.